welcome to another episode of Inspired Women Gathering Show. This is a show that talks about all things from life, relationships, spirituality, business, and everything in between. We're here gathering together, sharing our stories of connection and inspiration, of living into life, experiencing triumph over pain, experiencing the gifts that are meant for us. <clears throat> Women inspire me through their stories, the resilience, resourcefulness, tenacity, and the powerful movement um, that we make. My name is Dixie Bennett, I'm your host, and I'm passionate about helping women leaders live into alignment of their big vision, receiving the abundance and prosperity that is meant for them. Life doesn't have to be so hard, it can be easy and rewarding, and I love having deep conversation, conversation sharing about women who inspire me. So I'm super excited today to introduce my amazing guest, Tallulah Bliss, and we're going to be diving into the topic of tragic to magic. So Tallulah um, Bliss is the bone whisperer. She's a storyteller, medicine woman, deeply leaning into the great mystery of her own life, weaving personal meaning with the magic viscera of her bone collection. The bone whisperer lives a path of faith over fear, action over ambivalence, and courage over criticism. Her wish for you is to ignite a willing curiosity into the subtle whispers that unite us to each other to the stories of the collective consciousness and to all of the natural world. So welcome to Lula. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. I'm Thank so excited you. to dive into some really amazing conversation that I know we're going to have. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. You're so welcome. So why don't we, why don't we just start off and why don't you tell me a little bit about where you're coming in from today? Okay. So um, I'm in Calgary, Alberta. Um, I live on this really wonderful property that is quite sacred, and I feel really blessed to live here. This used to be a gathering place for First Nations um, people who would come to this area that we now call Beaverdam Flats, this little forest that's surrounded by the Bow River. And this was a favored gathering spot over winter. Um, and um, it matters because a part of a really foundational part of my bone collection came to me from this land. It's a, it's a buffalo femur, and we'll get into that. Very cool. So, how did you how did you end up there? Did you kind of know that you were there, uh, or did you know about it? Um, no, I had no. I had never actually even known about this part of the city before I was invited to come to an open house here and I came to an open house about five years ago and um, put an offer in on it that very same day and it's, um, it's a very humble little spot in the city it's up on Linwood Ridge and um, and I've been living here for five years ever since and a lot of what I've learned about the history of this land happened after I moved in here. Wow that's so cool. So after, and yeah. so was there like an awakening or did you have any interesting experiences or how did you come to learn more about it? Um, about this particular Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, to be honest, a part of what I learned about it is just on a sign, um, you know, a sign that is at the entrance of Beaver Dam Flats. Uh -huh. and, um, and then my personal history here sort of like wove more deeper meaning in it when um, the very first spring that I lived here, um, this um, buffalo femur came tumbling out of the hill 
Um, there's, I, I'm up on the ridge and then there's a pathway down into the forest and um, this bone came tumbling out of the hill and sort of presented itself in front of my feet one spring innocent day when I was walking and, and that happened before I received the calling of being the bone whisperer. Oh. So I didn't know I was um, picking up this bone and why I had to keep it. And I chastised myself and said, you're not a 10 year old boy. Why are you picking up this bone? Why are you bringing it home? But, um, but I did. And um, other people on, that live on this property have found similar bones and have actually had them carbon dated. Uh, and bones here, um, so this property used to be the site of a buffalo jump. And um, some of the bones that have been carbon tested from here are 5,000 years old. So wow. I consider this bone that I've got, do you want to see it right now? Yeah, for sure. So this is the, um, this is the, the buffalo femur. Mm -hmm. um, it's, and, um, and, it's, and it's broken off. And so I say that this is a bone that is 5,000 years old. So mm -hmm. it feels really sacred to me. and. Um, and, and as we'll get into, like I say, became um, a precursor to what would come to be revealed to me as, um, as the real medicine in, in the bone whispering that's been happening. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to go in more deeper. So why don't you tell us a little bit about, so how did you become the bone whisperer? Because I know this is something newer for you. Um, and before even you share a little bit about that, tell us a little bit about who you were before and then the bone getting connected into becoming a bone whisperer and just a little bit about your journey. Okay, so um, prior to becoming the bone whisperer, I lived a pretty white bread life. I lived, um, I was, I'm a mom. I have three sons who are 15, 17 and 20 now. Oh, yeah. and um, and when they were younger, I was a homeschooling mom. I was an unschooling mom. So I was already pretty inclined to um, a non-conforming way of being in the world. And um, I, professionally, I've been a freelance contract writer for, I always say I've been a freelance contract writer for a thousand years, but it's actually technically been about 35 years. And always specializing in public relations and marketing type content. So I've spent a career talking to people and hearing about their stories and telling other people's stories. Mm. And um, my first claim to fame was that I used to write speeches for Mayor Klein when um, Premier Klein was Mayor Klein. Right. Wow. Yeah, yeah I've been in Calgary and, and writing for a lot of years. I've traveled around, I've been in Ontario and BC and Alberta, but um, yeah. So um, yeah, I just kind of was like a very, I, I, I often say that I've lived quite an extraordinary life for someone as ordinary as me, because I really have had a very ordinary life and I am quite an, an, a not extraordinary um, specimen. And yet I have had quite extraordinary experiences that at, um, at my age, um, I'm just coming into a place where I'm really starting to embrace and lean into that um, because it's quite mysterious and magical. Mm -hmm. yeah. So tell me a little bit more about this magical, and I think it's too, you know, we all have, we 
we all think that we're ordinary at the end of the day and we're just living our ordinary life and going through our ordinary things and then all of a sudden we have these like big epiphanies or extraordinary out of this world kind of awakening or experience i know i know i've had a lot of those myself um and even as my gifts have unfolded it was i didn't know that i had gifts there were just some things in the background that were just kind of there i didn't yeah. know that it was different or special or um and some of those gifts have unfolded so share a little bit more about some of these magical qualities that that have unfolded for you yeah, so what I'll do is I will tell you about um, I'll tell you about the moment that I became the Bone Whisperer, mm-hmm. and I'll have my little prop here for that. And it's so tiny that it's like it's really hard to see. Oh wow! Literally, this little bone that is the smallest and the most fragile bone in my collection is responsible for me being the Bone Whisperer. Beautiful. And. Um, I was at um, I was at a weekend event. I was at a festival, and it was the end of the weekend, and we were doing um, a cleanup. And I was just wandering around um, in in sort of the main area where people had been gathering and dancing and um, and celebrating all weekend long, where trucks had driven in and you know dollies and trolleys had been wheeling over. And this little um, item, which I actually thought was a piece of plastic, which I was going to pick up and throw away, um, was laying there on the ground right in front of center stage where literally all weekend long, like there could not have been a more well-traveled place all weekend long. And for this like tiny, tiny little fragile little bone to have um, sustained itself intact was the first moment of um, sort of miraculous insight for me. So when I picked it up, I thought it was a piece of plastic. And the minute that I picked it up and had it in my hand and realized that it was a bone was the moment that I had um, my experience of download. Mm -hmm. And um, if I can talk about that for a minute, um, Mm -hmm. it was the kind of experience that I've read about um, I've read Neil Donald Walsh having these kind of experiences and other types of um, speakers and, and authors speaking about the experience of having this like download and receiving information and I've been a pretty avid student of that kind of content my whole life mm-hmm. um, and, um, and I've always been very skeptical. I've written, I've read the words that others have said was downloaded or came to them in this big epiphany moment. And I've always just thought, well, anybody can come up with that. Like I could, I could write that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, but this was an experience that actually was a download of information. And for the next 45 minutes, as I held this um, bone in my hand and sort of walked around in this kind of um, stupor as I was receiving information um it was like instantly this was in my hand and it was just shown to me um that this was a bone that was a part of a collection of bones that i already had at home um and um and this phrase which is now sort of my um um, catchphrase or slogan i guess if you will i've got a big banner that i've got that i had made up and this 
um, slogan is on the bottom of it. And this is the phrase that was told to me, these are the bones of your ancestors. Mm, and um, that phrase, these are the bones of your ancestors, dates back now about five or six years ago, dates back about five or six years to something that I was shown and told in a ceremony, in an ayahuasca ceremony that, and I've been journeying with ayahuasca for about a decade or longer, longer mm -hmm. than um, sort of everybody was doing it. I had never, I had never known of anybody who was doing ayahuasca the first time that it came to me or um, it wasn't, it wasn't commonly talked about. But um, I was in a ceremony actually on my mother's birthday, my mother's 67th birthday, and I was born in 1967. Right. And when they get coincidental like that are pretty interesting to me. Mm -hmm. And it was in that ceremony that I was um, shown myself to be inside the belly of a whale, inside the rib cage of a whale. Mm -hmm. And as far as I could see in front of me and as far as I could see behind me was this tangle of bones. Wow. And I was told, these are the bones of your ancestors. Mm -hmm. So as I was walking around with this bone that day at the festival, that was one of the things that came to me. And I was shown, this is the beginning of your calling as the bone whisperer. And um, for all of my years of experience being a writer and telling other people's stories, I was told, um, now it's time for you to tell your story, um, not just tell other people's stories. You've gotten good at um, getting to the heart of the matter and how to communicate around the thing, and now it's your story to tell. And your story is actually your medicine. That is the primary conduit of your medicine. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with that. I, that's a big part of who I am is I help people tell their stories through their pain or their journey. Yeah. And there's so much liberation that can happen when we share our stories. And we can actually live through the story and start to see the gifts of what that story or experience actually was meant for us. Yeah. So unleashing the stories of our own selves is so liberating and other people connect with it, right? And that's a big part of why we're here today yeah. also is just yeah. to, to share the story because it is time. It's time for everyone to come forward. And, you know, some of my mentors and teachers talk about the gap, you know, coming back and sharing the greatest storytellers are going to be the, the most successful in business going forward. Um, and I think we're also at a time where we need, we need to come back to story. We need to come back to, to the gathering. You know, I love that word, the gathering. You mentioned it a couple of times as well. You know, it's the, the gathering of the elders, the gathering of the sacred, the, where the, the buffaloes came, right? Yeah. And um, there's so much power in, in the gathering. So, and coming together collectively, sharing the stories and the, the bones of our ancestors absolutely have so much, so much to share. Yeah, it's been a really interesting experience since that moment. Um, is it okay for me to talk a little bit more? Yes, absolutely. So um, one of the things that was shown to me in that sort of 45 minutes, so I was, I was like, I had, I had whispers talked to me. I had um, sort of snapshots shown to me. I had um, visions shown to me. And one of the things that was shown to me was um, the two other bones, like I've got like quite a number of bones now that have come to me since, 
but there are three bones that um, that are the the center of of my collection, and um, so I was shown um, this particular bone is um, not even a bone; it's an orca tooth. Mm -hmm. And I found this on Whalebone Beach on Gabriola Island about 10 or 11 years ago. And, um, and this is a really, um, and this is, the, this is the, uh, the first bone that I found that um, forms a part of this bone whispering saga. Mm -hmm. This is the first time that I picked up a bone, which is a tooth actually. And um, and knew the minute that I picked this up and that I found it that I had found um, something sacred and something special. And I found it. It was like it's this humble little thing. It's it's you know this is how big it is. Mm -hmm. um, it was in a sea of oyster shells. So if you can imagine a whole beach littered with white oyster shells, and to find this bone amongst that, this tooth amongst them. Um, was quite extraordinary and I figured well if there's one there must be a ton more and I spent days more on that particular beach grazing looking looking for more of these and there was no more of it and um, I brought this into the Vancouver Aquarium and had a team of biologists all of a sudden around me that were very very interested in this tooth and they had a lot to tell me about this tooth. And that's where I learned even that it was an orca tooth. I had actually thought it was a sea lion tooth. Mm -hmm. But um, but this bone, this tooth, together with um, this first bone that I found, mm -hmm. and the buffalo femur that I showed, um, are the three foundational pieces in my collection. Mm -hmm. And... Um, these three bones, when you lay them out, and if you want, I can kind of like, I've kind of set it out on a tray here so that I can hold it up and try to show you. Sure. Because, um, they, and I might have to like tilt my camera a little, so just bear with me while I do that. Oh, good. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So when you see them together, um, and why I want to show them together is because these um, these bones represent the Fibonacci. And when that was shown to me, um, and and so when I talk about my bone whispering, I often will refer to they, because that's my experience of that's my experience of the whispers. The whispers come from a they. Right. And the they is um, many other people that might be having this experience might have a different language for it. I call it, it's the collective consciousness. Mm -hmm. And the bones that I have in my collection are the, um, the tangible stuff of um, almost in a way the iconography of bone whispering. But I'm, whether or not I'm, and I almost always have this tooth with me. This tooth comes with me everywhere. Cool. And um, as does this tooth that I wear a lot. Um, but I don't need to have the bones with me in order for me to be the bone whisperer or in order for me to hear the whispers because the bones became um, kind of like a key mm -hmm. that unlocked my capacity to hear and or their capacity to speak to me. Beautiful. So when... Um, 
when they showed me that these three bones and this, this small, tiny little bone, I since learned it's the wing bone of a bird. Mm -hmm. So it's so small that it's probably like a hummingbird's wing or something mm -hmm. like that. So I've got this hummingbird's wing, this orca tooth, and this buffalo femur that um, represent creatures of the sky, creatures of the sea, and creatures of the land. Mm. And when they are together, they represent the Fibonacci sequence. And it's um, and the Fibonacci sequence is um, is often I don't um, is often called the golden ratio. Mm. And I didn't know anything about the Fibonacci sequence. I had never even heard that word when yeah. it was told me this is the Fibonacci. And um, and when I went and learned what got online and went to see what is the Fibonacci and I learned it's the golden ratio it's the it's a mathematical sequence that um, all of nature is built on mm -hmm. and it is a ratio of something small to something mathematically a certain like a certain ratio bigger and then a certain ratio bigger than that and it's always represented in the three mm -hmm. it's the middle of a sunflower that um that visually represents the Fibonacci sequence mm -hmm. so yeah, so beautiful so what at what point did you start getting the whispers like when did you start recognizing that the whispers were coming through you or was it a development uh, did it happen over time or was it more um I would say that from the first moment that I picked up that orca tooth that there was something in me aware of something um so in a what i say is that i became consciously aware of the whispers uh, of inside the bone whispering i became consciously aware of that um immediately before my 50th birthday um mm -hmm. when i picked up that little hummingbird wing mm -hmm. but i was less than consciously aware of the whispers for about a decade before mm -hmm. that because um, I, I knew, you know, as I was finding this bone and that bone, I knew that um, I needed to have them. I knew that they were something special to me. I often would laugh at myself and, uh, and the way that I would self-denigrate around it is I'm acting like a 10-year-old boy and mm -hmm. I don't know why, but I need to have these bones. And so <laughs> they've been like in my house and in my yard and um, just a part of, you know, my weird eccentricity that I even I didn't understand until the day that I picked up that um that that small bone and then I knew that I knew something and mm -hmm. since that time and that's been about three years now almost three years that I've known myself as the bone whisperer and and known myself to be um cognitively consciously aware of when they're talking to me and what they're teaching me Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. So what time at what point did you um well obviously I mean you haven't had much tr any traditional training in this kind of an experience, right? So what how have you kind of navigated through these unknown waters? Yeah, that's been um uh, that has honestly been um like the pivot point of my becoming because I love that the becoming mm -hmm. yeah it is some kind of strange to stand up and one of the first things that they told me that very day 
is um, talk about it, mm. tell people. And I was mortified. Mm. How does a 50-year-old woman stand up and start saying to her community and to her people, hey, I'm the bone whisperer. And then people naturally are going to say, oh, what does that mean? How does that happen? How are you the bone whisperer? And all I could say is, I don't know. They told me <laughs> bone whisperer. I've often, um, I've, I say that I've lamented that there are no um, mentors for bone whispering, but it's not really true that I've lamented it because it actually has, um, um, it has spurned me on to be more courageous in becoming it. Mm. I know that I hear things. I know that I'm instructed. Um, and um, it's almost like whenever I begin to lose faith in this or begin to like really question what am I doing, mm. who do I really think I am, mm. um, they will show me or give me something else. And that, um, that happens for me, um, I don't exactly remember when, but it was in the first year, year and a half, that as like, I was completely hooked when they showed me that this was the Fibonacci and that this, um, that this particular triad represents creatures of the sky, creatures of the sea, creatures of the land. But then um, that has become, um, oh, I'm getting a little note that my internet connection is unstable, so hopefully it's good. Still you're good. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. One um, one night I had it was a night a sleepless night and I had another experience of this powerful download and I just got up in the middle of the night and I just started taking notes and whatever mm -hmm. they were telling me I just started taking notes and just took it all down and I was up for about three hours taking notes. Mm -hmm. And I closed it up and I went to sleep and when I got up in the morning and I read it all, I was just blown away. Wow. So what those notes in a nutshell comprise is a teaching of that I am to be a student of these bones and the teachings of these bones for the rest of my life in this ever unfolding triad, which is built on that this were um a bird's wing bone the most delicate fragile one in the collection represents faith mm. and um the orca tooth represents action mm -hmm. and the buffalo femur represents courage oh wow and i was shown that that's how life works mm -hmm. you have faith and then you take action and then the courage comes after you take the action Mm -hmm. And it was such an it was such a huge insight to me because I've lived a life that um, went the other way around. I always thought that if you had faith in a thing, then you had to like muster up the courage and you know get all the courage, and then you would take action once you were all full of your courage. Right. But they showed me that's not how it works. Mm -hmm. You have faith, and then you take action, and the courage is born from the action. And that, that is what feeds the faith mm -hmm. that again inspires you to action, that again inspires more courage. And doing this interview with you is <laughs> completely well. Congratulations! I know, I know it's I know it's a big leap for you to do this, and I think that message is so powerful, right? Yeah. Faith, action, and then courage. Yeah. And you just keep cycling through it again and again and again. I think that message is so powerful. 
because um, I do find a lot of people they just sit they're still sitting and waiting they're trying to muster up the courage to to yeah. do anything yeah. but I think the courage does come as we keep move just keep moving through yeah right and I, I think I can really resonate with a lot of what you shared because I know from myself as I awakened um, I had all these amazing experiences that nobody else, none of my friends were having, even some of my spiritual teachers, I was like, oh my gosh, so, you know, I just had an angel come into my room, and they're like, oh, you know, <laughs> and I thought I was just the only, the you know, uh, the weird one, and how do you share that with people, because I came very much, you know, from a heady background, very much like yourself, and the corporate industry, yeah. and how do you talk about this kind of stuff with people, and I've been doing this work for 10 years, I would say the last couple of years, I've been more comfortable talking about my connection to angels, my connection to other um, experiences that are not necessarily of this world. And very much like you, I have not had a lot of mentors. I've just kind of, you know, messages have come through or I found the next teacher online that just gave me the right information at the right time. Yeah. But I just kept moving through. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's how, um, that's been my experience as well. Um, once, um, I, I'll tell you a story about the, that, um, this Wingbird bone. It's, um, it's like, it'll be so precious to me. Um, within months of finding this and knowing that I'm a bone whisperer and doing a few talks and share, starting to share about this, um, I brought my collection to an event and I was going to do, I was going to share, I was going to do a talk, and it didn't end up happening. And, um, and this bone ended up falling out of the bag that I carried it in. I now have a very um, precious way that I transport my bone. Mm -hmm. At that time, it was all kind of new to me, and it was kind of shoved into a bag. <laughs> Thrown or bones in a bag. Yeah. <laughs> a bag of bones. <laughs> and it fell out, and it got broke. Oh. It, it actually got shattered into four pieces, mm -hmm. which um, in a way almost made it even more remarkable that I ever found it intact in the first place, because it was shattered and broken in a room with no other people around. Mm. Um, and I, um, I hunted around on the floor to find all of the pieces and in fact it, I only found two of the four pieces. So this tiny little bone was broken into four pieces and I only found two of the four and I brought it and I was devastated, mm. devastated. I wept like a baby. I, um, I felt so chastised. I felt that I had dishonored um, this sacred gift. And I spent time. Um, I, I came home. I set it in the middle of my living room table. I set all my other bones around it. And it sat there, this broken into um, bone, while I contemplated whether I was actually a worthy steward of being the bone whisperer, since I couldn't even take care of the most important bone in my collection and I almost gave it up I almost said I don't even know what this is I'm giving up mm -hmm. but clearly I'm I'm a dumbass and I'm not mm -hmm. responsible with my um, sacred objects and maybe I was just making this all up anyway 
and I um, let it sit there on the table for about a week, broken, as I would kind of walk by it, spend some time with it, and I didn't know what to do, but in the end, I, um, I glued it back together. Mm-hmm. I paid, I did ceremony, I asked, and, um, and definitely the message was, um, it, it was certainly a message of the fragility of life, mm-hmm. the fragility of calling, Mm-hmm. And, um, and the courage that it takes to um, put a thing back together and claim it, name it and claim it and do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, that and goes back to your faith, right? Action and then courage, right? Literally, literally. Yeah, so living into it. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, and so inside the experience of being with the bones, is is the teaching and um, in the last year I've really had an opportunity to deepen even more into my calling as a bone whisperer as my life circumstance took a significant um, unexpected and unwanted change and um, and inside um, a lot of grief around that Mm -hmm. I again called into question Mm -hmm. am I really strong enough to be the bone whisperer. <laughs> so, um, a part of what I do love about this work, about this calling, is that it does bring me into my innocence. It does bring me into my playfulness because since there are no bone whispering mentors that I'm aware of on the planet, I get to play with it. I get to, um, I get, I get to claim it. Nobody's going to tell me, come along and tell me you're That's doing- your sacred gift. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it's the awakening of the sacred gift. Yeah. And, then- and there's nobody around to tell me that I'm doing it wrong. Right. But the bones themselves are the ones that are here to tell me that I'm doing it right. Because while I was in the um, deep mourning, deep grief, deep um, contemplation of do I really have the stuff to continue being the bone whisperer, mm-hmm. I had um, someone come along and give me this one. And this is a fossilized ear bone, also from a whale. Oh. And um, and it, let me see if I can just put it exactly together the way it goes and see if I can show how this works. This is a complete and perfect yin and yang. Wow, yes. The curve of that is showing so well, but um, it, um, it fits in with the very first um, icon that I found this orchid to yeah it is it the balance is, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. and it just became another um it was just another undeniable um representation of the teachings of of the bones which really are um the bones themselves are are the teachers but um, they're they're the the viscera of the past. They're mm-hmm. the viscera of the ancestors. And the whispers are are the voice from the collective. They're the they're the promise for the future. And mm-hmm. I'm the interpreter. I'm the conduit of of the messages. I've got these I've got these bones. Mm-hmm. I've got these um these symbols. These you know these representations. 
And then I've got the, um, and inside this interview and inside any of the work that I do with my bone whispering is the action to interpret and help, um, to help others and myself recognize the patterns that are around us every day mm -hmm. and that are alive inside of us. Mm -hmm. And we're the interpreter of those patterns. And what we are going to do with those patterns, are we just going to play them out in this unconscious way? Or are we actually going to stop enough to be present inside this present moment to notice what life itself is teaching us? Mm -hmm. And how can we take what we know about our patterns and the patterns all around us to um, form and frame the infrastructure, the, the, the architecture of our life and our life story moving forward. So what would you say that the bones have taught you the most? Um, they have definitely taught me to, to be here now. Mm. They have taught me the most about being present. Mm. Because um, without um, the discipline to be present, it would have been very easy for me to sort of slip by any of these moments and mm -hmm. not have fully imbued myself with the wisdom of what was potentially here for me in this present moment. Mm -hmm. and, um, here I'd really like to give a shout out to um, a book uh, written by a man called Michael Brown mm -hmm. and it's a the book called Presence Process. Yes, yes. I've, I've highly recommended. I can't say it enough. It's one of my right. favorite books. Yeah. 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 And I read that book and did the, um, when you do the presence process, it's a 10 week self-directed study mm -hmm. into the coming into the now mm -hmm. and you're supposed to do it three times over. And I confess that I've only done it um, one and a half. <laughs> yeah, I've done it once too. I, but I, I, I find that I live like I really live into the presence process. It's really powerful. And I have had some of my clients have done it three and four times. Yeah. Uh, they're still learning into it right I think it is it's a you know going back to what you said it's an unbecoming right we're, we're learning to I'm, I'm passionate about unwinding unbinding right so we're un, undoing um, a lot of the circumstances that have happened to us and then we're unwinding it into coming into absolute presence and that's really the only thing we have control over in each and every moment yeah yeah. Yeah. And that, so I was already with, um, with the presence process with, um, you know, and others like Eckhart Tolle, Deepak Chopra, like there's been so many, Marianne Williamson, um, mm -hmm. Neil Donald Walsh, Gary Zukov, mm -hmm. like so many um, really um, powerful presence leaders have been around for us, but it was, it was the presence process that I was um, in and with for like almost a year before I became the bone whisperer. Mm -hmm. and, um, so I was already um, disciplined and studying inside of, inside of the now. But what, what the bones teach me about being in the now is um, like sometimes when I'm so there's like aspects of being the bone whisperer that's just being a receiver, a listener to um, the messages that the collective consciousness is speaking to and through me. And some of it is actually about being a bone finder, a bone collector. And um, when I'm really listening to myself, I've had some extraordinary experiences of being called to um, find bones. Mm. And, um, and give us, give me an example of what that 
Yeah, I would love to. So when I um, when I first became the Bone Whisperer um, at this festival, and I was told right away to talk about it, at Closing Circle, I did do. And I said, hey, everyone, thanks for having a great weekend with me. Can I tell you about this thing that just happened to me? And um, so I'm the Bone Whisperer. <laughs> and, um, and I don't really know what that means, but I've been asked to ask you and to ask others, when you think of me, when you think of Tallulah Bliss, the Bone Whisperer, I want you to pray for me in whatever form you pray for and to ask for wisdom and knowledge and insight to be um, brought to me and through me. Mm-hmm. And it's really, yeah. Asking for what you need, right? That's so yes. beautiful. And putting it out there. Yes. And the vulnerability of that is enormous. But mm-hmm. every single time that I have done a Bone Whispering talk, I always close with that. Mm-hmm. And so uh, at that closing circle, immediately after the circle was closed, I had this woman approach me and she said, um, I have a gift for you. And I said, oh, and she said, yes, I've been holding it on to you for years. Wow. Really? And she said, yeah, will you be here next year? And I said, I will now. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. And so, um, so she described to me that she had been gifted this bone years ago, and she's a vegan. Mm-hmm. And she never felt good in herself about having this bone. It just it really sort of like rankled or itched at her consciousness, mm-hmm. like at her consciousness, her sense of ethic. And but she it was given to her by a good friend of hers with a lot of love and care and consideration, but um, she knew that it wasn't hers and that she was just holding on to it until the the actual the intended recipient of it came into her path. So when I shared with her that I was the bone whisperer, she said, I'm going to bring this bone for you next year at this festival. And so um, she did do and um and she said you're really gonna love it it's like it's got some henna art on it and that is this little bone right here like maybe a little bit hard and um so by the time that i um was given this bone so it it, you can't see it really clearly but it's got these little um somebody did some fine fine henna art on it um and um like made little um little pinpricks into it and there's a new moon on one side a full moon on the other and um and so by the time that I was given this I kind of had found like a lot more bones by then and I kind of thought I knew a little something about what bones were and um what type of bones and I had deduced that this bone is um what I said it was was um potentially a femur from a porcupine Oh, wow. I had thought that maybe it was. And so for the next, you know, like year, year and a half, I kind of lived with um, that this is, you know, well, I guess for about a year, I lived the story that this is, you know, a femur of a porcupine. And then um, I was out on Vancouver Island, and I spend a lot of time out there. And I was out on Vancouver Island, and one day when I woke up, a lot of times the whispers will come to me in dreams. Mm-hmm. And um, that particular morning, um, as soon as I was on waking, I knew that I had to go take this um, almost two-hour drive to this spot, um, to Port Renfrew, actually. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't really want to do it because I had other stuff on my agenda that day that I was going <laughs> to um, it wouldn't leave. It wouldn't leave me. You have mm-hmm. to go. When spirit so, speaks, you have to listen. 
I, that's what I have learned. It's yes. It's humble enough to listen to the, the great mystery, mm-hmm. to listen to the whisperings of the mystery when yeah. it comes. But sure enough, I drove all that way. I pushed it off and pushed it off until if I didn't go now, then I was going to be doing it in the dark and I didn't want to do that. So I just finally went. And when I got there, I um, walked into, like walked, approached the ocean. I sat there and, um, and I was almost in an argument with them. <laughs> I've had those too. Really? <laughs> Sit with them, like, okay, here I am. Now, what am I going to do? Watch the tide roll in, you know, mm-hmm. like, I've had things to do. Mm-hmm. And there was this, like, there was just this pushing, and it was go that way. And so I walked down the beach that way. And about a hundred yards on, I came to a dead seal oh. rolling around in the surf. And it was all there except the skull was gone and it was quite intact like it was just the seal there was a few um at the head where the skull was gone there was exposed some vertebrae mm-hmm. and of course I wanted and I sort of like got hands in there and I was like trying to pull but it was also very intact and I couldn't get any of it out yeah so I just kind of was there and contemplating it and interesting and fascinating and I walked around and when I came around to the tail end of it, um, there were five bones that were loose from the carcass. Right. And um, this is one of them. And if the camera can show, this is literally the exact bone that I was gifted a year later at the festival. And so I was taught this isn't a porcupine femur. This is the tailbone of a, it's the tailbone vertebra of a seal. Wow. And um, now why I needed to know that, I mm-hmm. still don't know. Right. But I do know that um, they wanted to correct my story so that mm-hmm. I stopped saying that it was a porcupine femur because it was a vertebra from the tailbone of a seal. Right. And the extraordinariness of that was um, again just another teacher to me to keep listening. Right. Yes. Even when those whispers make mm-hmm. no sense at all, and I have no reason to mm-hmm. listen to them, I have no agenda. Like I was happy with my little porcupine femur story. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was okay, um, and I did not know that I was about to be schooled, but I did know I, I'm. I'm establishing a relationship with the listening i'm establishing a relationship with um knowing when i'm being whispered to mm-hmm. and 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 to listen to it and it's it, and i like this is just one story i've got lots and lots of them like that that i've had these extraordinary experiences uh, that are um i have no explanation for them except for that they're happening and that they're happening um to me and through me and i am i'm like a child i'm just so innocent with um with the discovery of it and i've got the whole rest of my life to um to deepen into the maturity with 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 the medicine I think that's the biggest, and that's been one of my big lessons too, is really to come to things with a childlike innocence. Yeah. Um, just because, you know, it's the, it's not something that I can control, but the more I allow myself to play into it, 
um, it's there's a, a, a deeper ease with it. Um, I know I had I had an experience where I was defiant and I did not want to participate. And so I, I was I literally put a wall up and I shut it down and I got really, really sick um, for about two years. And it was it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible for me. Very detrimental, physical, emotional, spiritual. Did you ever have an experience like that where you actually wanted to just close the door and, and kind of run away because you didn't understand? Or have you just always kind of acknowledged and accepted and just kind of moved, moved forward with it? No, there's been lots of, there's been lots of little moments, like I've shared a couple of them where I've kind of like stopped and questioned, you know, is this really real? Is this really for me? Um, before we started, you asked if I had like a meditation or anything to share. And, um, and as we're chatting, there's something that's coming through that I do want to share. Um, and it speaks to the question that you just led into, which is, um, when, um, when things kind of like changed quite suddenly for me a couple of years ago and I was in a moment of, um, or about a year and a half ago when I was um, like all of a sudden being confronted with um, a significant life change. Um, I spent about, um, I went out to the coast again, out to the island, and I spent about a month sitting in an old growth forest. And I just would go out to this forest every single day and I would just be there. And every single day I was asking myself, what are you doing? Like, mm -hmm. what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> Why are you here? But there was just this, um, there was just this, um, again, just this calling just to be there. And on 81818, so um, August 18th, 2018, mm -hmm. Um, I had, and, and if it's okay, may I read something that came? Yes, absolutely. That day? So um, I should have set this up ahead of time, but it's easy to find. I had this um, um, message come through, and it's a message that I want to um, make into um, a, a bit of a, um, a storybook. And if it's okay, I, I will just read it. Yeah, go ahead. This was um, this was one of those times where I was like really questioning whether mm. I am the bone whisperer, whether I actually do hear whispers from the collective consciousness, from the divine, from the sacred, from the ancestors. Mm. And um, and after about um, almost three weeks of sitting inside this old growth forest, this came through, and it's um, and it's a manuscript that I call play, and it mm. speaks to the innocence. Beautiful. When, when we are a child of the body, we play. This is how we grow and learn. Never underestimate the value of this childhood. Without it, we would have no grown-up. Mm. When we are a child of the mind, uh, sorry, I'm just going to back up and say what is so funny is that every day when I went into the forest, I would just come. Like I would just be there with me. I would have like a little rug that I would set down on the floor and I would sit down on. But this particular day, I got told, bring something to write with, mm. bring a pen and paper. And, um, and so I did. Um, and this is, this is the thing that came through that day. When we are a child of the mind, we play in the realm of ideas and inventions. Much human innovation, machinations, never know how to say that word, <laughs> machinations, and technologies are the result of human beings 
fully participating in the childhood of their minds. Never underestimate the value of this childhood. Without it, most of what we understand as human civilization would not exist. Wow. Mm -hmm. But when we are a child of the heart, mm -hmm. we play in the shadow realm. This is where we begin to explore the objects, places, and practices that cause us to question the nature of life. In this realm, we have been throughout recorded history commonly maligned, misunderstood, and at times outright murdered. Wow. Much wisdom of the natural and supernatural world has been lost to material and economic forces that have distracted humanity from the sacred and ancient objects, places, and practices that used to bridge humanity to our divine interconnectedness with all of existence. Mm. Much wisdom remains to be unveiled. Never underestimate the value of this childhood. Many have lost the ability to hear the calling of the heart. You have not played. Wow. Thank you so much for that insight. Oh, that just, it brings so much home. You know, I have all these conversations quite often about coming back into the essence of the childlike wonder um, and just being in the childlike energy because that's really where our magic that's where all the magic. I love the child, like mind, childlike heart. Yeah. And the shadow of the heart. Yeah, because that's where the learnings are for sure. I love yeah. that. And that. Thank you so much. Well, we're just coming to the end of our time. So that was such a beautiful, uh, beautiful, beautiful share. And I so deeply appreciate all that you shared with me today. Um, so just to kind of wrap up with, you know, what would be, you know, other people, if you wanted to share one piece of advice, uh, what would it be for people who are just kind of, you know, maybe sitting on the, on the edge, kind of sitting in the safety zone um, and kind of, you know, they're getting those divine whispers um, to do something more, but they're kind of resisting it. So what, what advice would you give to them? Yeah, um, what I'm going to say is um, kind of like a perfect way to close and, um, and I'll be very succinct with it but it goes to the title of this talk, Tragic to Magic. Mm -hmm. um, when I was, um, I, I've been involved in, um, in self-examining and personally developing for a long time. And in that process and in the last couple of years, I really had the opportunity to use, the, um, use my present moment awareness of what I'm actually feeling in the now to notice the times in my past where some of my ways of being were patterned into who I am. Mm -hmm. The tragic to magic technique is recognizing that we can take our present moment now and trace back to the wounded inner child mm -hmm. and find the source origins of the injuries that into the patterns and the sort of automatic way that we have of responding to the world now and the tragic to magic technique is imagining as we heal ourselves in the now of those childhood traumas and injuries from long ago 
we also can do the same thing with our now self, imagining into a future version of us that is also there to coach and encourage and inspire us to move on. Mm -hmm. And that future version of us, if we imagine that whatever it is that whatever it is that we're up to right now in the name of um, becoming better at us, less victimized, less um, reactive, more um, more thoughtful, mindful, and responsive. Um, if you imagine doing this work and deeply devoting whatever whatever your practice is, my practice is um, I've got my ceremony that I do with my bones. Um, I have a meditative practice, and I've got other types of um, deeply ceremonial practice that I bring myself to. If you imagine taking yourself and whatever it is that you're doing in the now that you think is a good thing, whether that's like improving your diet, whether that's if that's um, just like changing the way that you um, maybe take a few, take a breath when you feel reactive to something, whatever is the practice that you're doing right now. And imagine that you deeply devote yourself to that for the next 30 years. Imagine how amazing you are going to be in 30 years having practiced that for that amount of time. And then allow that future version of you, that improved, that softened, that wisened, future version of you, talk to her, talk to him, talk to them, talk to that future version of you and ask it, her, him, what should I do now? Mm -hmm. And I really believe I've been doing this myself and this is what I call the tragic to magic technique. I really believe that humanity can really be propelled forward in meaningful and significant and productive ways for the future of humanity by tapping into the future wisdom that is available within the divinity, within the sacred, within the great mystery of the collective consciousness, God, whatever the language is that you have. It is there and available to us. Mm -hmm. Ask it. Ask it. When you pray, if you if you have a, a challenge with praying, as quite frankly I did for a lot of years, mm -hmm. um, pray to a future version of you. She knows you. She knows where you need to be held in a in a more compassionate way, and she also knows where you need to be pushed a little bit because mm -hmm. your habits are in the way. I like that. Yeah. Expressing. Um, yeah, and, and, and returning to the innocence, like that's been such a huge piece for me to, mm -hmm. to come to the place of recognizing that, um, that I'm a good person, I'm a kind person, I'm a compassionate person, I've been programmed, I've been, um, inno I've been innocently programmed, no one meant to harm me with dysfunctional programs, but it did occur and it's okay. There's 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 forgiveness and in gr grace in letting it all go, and staying open anyway. Mm -hmm. Stay open to the innocence. Stay open to the possibility. And whatever. And what I two other things that I always say is um, in my talks is however much time you spend in nature right now. I don't care if you're out in nature every single weekend or every single day. However often you're in nature right now, get out in it more. Yeah, spend more, more time in nature, mm -hmm. and whatever piques your curiosity, whatever it is, 
dive deeper into that. Mm. Yeah. And and you will find that your life will begin to unfold in magical, magical ways just because you gave yourself permission to get more curious about what sparks your curiosity. I love that. Yes. That's one of my favorite words, curiosity. Right? Yeah. Core value of mine. Absolutely. Yeah. Be curious, be curious, be curious. Yeah. Right? And ask curiosity questions. Yeah. Um, and that I feel like we were never guided wrong when we ask from a place of curiosity. Yeah. And be willing to go inward. Like mm-hmm. we live in times where everything is external and all the, you know, the construct of our matrix is um, built on the idea of professionals and experts. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it stymies us in ways because um, you know, a lot of what I've done or haven't done has been governed or controlled by my own perception of my lack of expertise or my lack of being a professional. And I think that's why they gave me the gift of getting to be a bone whisperer because they're literally, I mean, until I invent it, there's no bone whispering academy. Right. <laughs> well, it's the academy of life, right? I think I'm, I'm a student of life and I always will be. I just, I love the learning. I love the experience. And I think too, going into nature, you know, um, I, nature is one of my best friends, you know, there's so much wisdom and so much teaching uh, that nature has to share with us. And when we can actually get quiet and still enough to actually listen to the whispers of what nature has for us, right? Or whether it's nature or whether it's the whispers coming from other areas, um, the divine nudges or the divine whispers, um, you know, just, and, and be able to have faith right? And to take action and to move forward with the courageousness. So thank you so much for sharing your story today. This has been absolutely amazing. I love, you know, um, we met a few years ago and or a couple years ago, and I just, I always wanted to get to know you more. So I'm deeply humbled and grateful that uh, we've been able to sit together, have conversations, and I so hope to and look forward to more conversations with you. Yeah, me too, you. Thank you. So thank you so much, Delilah. Thank you everyone for watching today and being with us. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, Please share it out with your community so that we can continue to bring light, love, and hope to the world. And until next time, abundant love to all of you. Thank you so much. Thank you.